to Unboxing E-Commerce. I'm James Marks, a serial entrepreneur who built and recently exited an e-commerce fulfillment service called Whiplash. I've been investigating business mysteries since I launched my first business when I was 17. I'm Jennifer Yates, a business operations leader, creator, and connector. I quickly see the landscape of a business from all Zoom levels, angles, and relationships. We use our combined expertise and curiosity to understand the process behind the package. Each episode, we order from your favorite brands and reverse engineer their operations stack. We learn what tools they're using and why, so we can run your business like the pros. Jennifer, are you ready to unbox e-commerce? I'm ready. Let's get to that box. Hey, James. Hey. How are you? I'm good, Jennifer. How are you? I am rested. I'm back. All of the good stuff. Yeah. All of the good stuff. We're here. We're doing Urban Outfitters, if I read our notes correctly. We are. And I cannot wait to talk about Urban Outfitters and all that I learned. But first, we've got to do our preamble. We've been talking for like 30 minutes before the episode. So, James, I have kind of a mystery for you. But not really. And it's based on my travels. Yeah, you were just out of town. You were somewhere far away and exotic. Far away, exotic for a long period of time. I was gone two and a half weeks. I traveled through Peru, Ecuador, and the Galapagos. Wow. You know, this is not a mystery. I thought the Galapagos was rocks and turtles. (laughs) Honestly, And then I get there and it is so much more than rocks and turtles, but that's not where my story is. I mean, it's 600 miles away from my story. My story is just north of Quito, Ecuador on the equator. Mm -hmm. I have a degree in geography and geography informs the way I see the world holistically. So as a geographer, talk about exciting to go visit the equator. So in Ecuador, there are two spots memorializing the equator. Mm -hmm. One is a little off because the people who decided this is the equator didn't have like 100% accurate measuring systems. back. So we now know... It's actually over there a bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's over there a few 800 feet or yards or whatever it is. That's still pretty good. It's really good. What we did was we went to the real zero degrees, zero minutes, zero seconds place, the equator, and learned that a couple things happen there because you really are in the middle between the Mm -hmm. northern and southern hemispheres. So one of the things that we learned, and this is the mystery, non-mystery, is that when you stand on the line marked the equator, so Mm -hmm. you're equal between the Northern and Southern Hemisphere. If you stand kind of like you're standing on a balance beam or on a line, so one foot in front of the other, and you put your arms out, you start to lose your balance. (laughs) isn't that crazy? So I watched a few people do it and I was like, what is going on? And then I tried it 
I was wobbly and I was like, what the hell? Well, and there's a thing where the the water drains in the opposite direction, right? I've always wondered like what the line, does it like gurgle or something? Like he doesn't have specific one or the other strong enough to uh, assert dominance. That's right. What you're talking about, the swirling is the Coriolis effect. So it's water. It is the way hurricanes and tornadoes spin in the high and low pressure in the northern Mm -hmm. and southern hemisphere. It's completely opposite. Ocean currents even on the equator. And they do this as a test. They fill like this kind of square sink full of water. And put a bucket underneath and then remove the plug and the water just drops straight through. But then they move that sink a few feet, like three, five feet away and do the same thing. And because it's very, very slight, but so that you can see... The this is a way to happening. test how, where you are. Right? That's how probably how they figured out that they were off a little bit because you could watch this effect. Exactly. They drop leaves in the water. So you can mm-hmm. see these little leaves spinning wow. Wow. into the bucket. So then if you think about gravity and the human body being made up of water yeah. and you're standing on the line... Maybe there's something with the, I don't know, the magnetic pulls of the earth down and the poles. And maybe you're off balance. I looked on the internet before we met today to see if I could figure out like, why is this? And is Mm -hmm. it a thing? And there is a little controversy online about Mm -hmm. whether it's real. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. That's one thing that's I did cool. on my vacation. That's yeah. cool. That's really fun. Now I want to go. I've heard that the Galapagos is a magical place. And this is where like the origin of species has a history there, right? And there's just it's like a really vibrant place is what I've heard. Yeah. Tell me about you. How were your last three weeks? Yeah, they're good. You know, we're recording fresh into the new year. So doing some reflection and... Uh, just trying to decide, you know, who I want to be this year and kind of orient on that. And it's been good. New Year's is probably my favorite holiday, even though I don't really celebrate the night of. I used to, st- I don't even stay up to midnight anymore. I just don't. Yeah. It's not how I celebrate. I have more of like a three day quiet reflection that'll continue on, that'll echo for months. But like, honestly, I was in Ypsilanti maybe last year for New Year's and they did a seven o'clock ball drop for the kids. Because seven o'clock is dark enough. Yeah. And that was great. I was so happy to do a seven <laughs> like, yeah, small drop. <laughs> exactly. This is more our speed. Yeah. Like, and that's always been the case. I stopped going to punk shows because it was just too dang late. And I was like, <laughs> you know, 22. And I was just, I remember I did a little stint. I was on tour with a band supporting Sonic Youth for like a week. And at a time when I was trying to get like deeper into the music scene, but I was like never really on the road. I was always on the like back. Yeah, you were behind the scenes. Uh. Way, way, way behind the scenes. But for like a week, I was supporting a band that was on the road with Sonic Youth. And I realized it was just like the worst possible career path for me just because they start the show at like 10 o'clock at night. And if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, And I guess that's the opening act yeah you know? and then they're doing like the, the close out like you know end of show business is going to happen at like three in the morning and then people mm-hmm. want to go and hang out and party and whatever and i'm just like this is not the life for me i uh no I i'm know. a 7 a.m to 
6 p.m. person. I got a thing I want to share. This is a real commercial that came out 10 years ago. I just found it. I am shocked to see that it exists, but it's technically shipping related. So I thought we could listen to this real quick. It's 30 seconds and it is, I just can't believe this was made. It's ridiculous. Ship my pants right here. Ship my pants. You're kidding. You can ship your pants right here. You hear that? I can ship my pants for free. Wow. I just may ship my pants. Yeah. Ship your pants. Billy, you can ship your pants too. I can't wait to ship my pants, dad. I just shipped my pants, and it's very convenient. Very convenient. I just shipped my drawers. I just shipped my nighty. I just shipped my bed. If you can't find what you're looking for in store, we'll find it at Kmart.com right now and ship it to you for free. I am like a speechless. <laughs> but that's a real commercial. That went on, like, network television? Network television. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty brilliant. It is. It is just about being top of mind. Like as far as just like getting the, your brand into the mental space. Holy cow. Mm, and what a clever idea. It's memorable. Yeah, exactly. Just fantastic. And shipping related. Really Speaking of shipping, let's talk about our brand. Let's talk about our brand today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're doing Urban Outfitters, right? Yes. Urban Outfitters. So... You picked it, as you do. And I said, yeah, let's do it. Tell me why. So I guess it came up. I'll just be totally honest. I saw somebody, it was on LinkedIn, and somebody had posted a box. And it was like a giant box that's like two feet by three feet with you know a few items crammed down, just kind of floating inside. It was like the worst pack out job anybody had ever done. And then so everybody's looking at that post. And the person who shared it, was an executive somewhere and didn't want to call out the brand. and But people could tell there's enough operators. I think we're all sort of curious people. You can wait a minute. I, I know what I'm looking at here. So people had made some guesses to which I saw like a little corner of the shirt that I could see in the box. I'm like, yep, yeah, there it is on their website. So I'm fairly sure that the brand that we saw that day was Urban Outfitters. And it reminded me just like what a sophisticated... Like very demographic oriented business. I know in my 20s, we do like to go there a lot and like kind of go through and you'd see the stuff and it just felt like kind of right. And then now I go through in my 40s and I'm like, what is all this crap? I just think it's like a perfect example of like how my perspective has changed. Isn't it amazing that like Urban Outfitters has not, like they know their demographic, they have not changed or they've stayed relevant to their demographic in letting mine go. So I, I thought that was cool. I'm curious to see what your research bore out. They were and still are very deliberate in who their audience is and sticking to that. And if they feel like their audience is changing, they embark on a different kind of business. So here we go. Okay. Urban Outfitters. All of my research, just like usual, is in the show notes. And anything we mentioned during the course of this episode, like the back end, front end, whatever, we'll also put in the show notes. So three people who were at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia in 1970 decided to open a retail store. Now, one of the people, Dick Hain, is his name, was the one who really wanted to do a retail store. And I'm not sure exactly how the other two co-founders became involved, whether they were just friends. Because <laughs> it was always it was this one guy who really yeah. 
he really wanted to do it. And then he got these two friends, Scott Belair and Judy Wicks, to join in with him. Now, I do know that Scott Belair was taking a business class and had to do a project. And so I think he used this experience as his project. Yeah. This is in 1970. And the first name of Urban Outfitters is going to sound familiar to you and others. It was not Urban Outfitters. The store was called Free People. And it was across the street from the university. They started as a secondhand store selling clothing, gifts, houseware, furniture to college students. Just like hand to college students. Yes. So inexpensive secondhand items like a hodgepodge of all different kinds of things. And eventually that store grew into a private label brand. One of them is free people. So that is a clothing brand. I see free people in other oh, stores. Really? So, really? Yes. I guess mm-hmm. I thought if you if you put me down, I would have said it was like their house brand, but only to them, right? Like yes. 365 or whatever. You're saying you can buy it elsewhere. Yes, you can. They also branched out into other retail stores. Anthropology is one. So back to what you were saying about demographics. Okay. So let me back up for a second. When they opened a second location, that's when they changed the name to Urban Outfitters because now it wasn't just... And their second location was also in Philly. But as they started to expand and their target audience, these college kids who wanted, you know, kind of funky, edgy clothes, housework gifts, da-da-da, because it is still... To your point, a hodgepodge of kind of it, it was items. very much the vibe, right? It's a vibe yeah. of items, and it's also like handmade furniture. And I, I, yeah. I used to fantasize about being on their store build team because it always mm. just felt accessible. Like somebody with a chop saw made a display. It always felt like people had made it, and it just yes, inspiring and cool. I'm gonna get back to that. So they started to expand into other retail spaces to appeal to their demographic as their demographic was growing up or aging. They're growing up, but Urban Outfitters is still a valid market, right? There's still college kids who want this stuff, but now they're 30-something. Yeah, they're they're getting detached and we don't want to let them go. So No, you you don't. You launch other Anthropology. Anthropology. And I think there's something interesting. It's also like you're 30-something, you're making a little bit of money, you're trying to dress for work. Right. That's the same damn person. Just their life. Yes. Their life is changing. I never knew that anthropology was under the URBN umbrella, which is their official like URBN.com. They are a public company and that's their... Oh, oh, you know, the little stock ticker. Yeah. Yeah. Their stock ticker. So they also started, this sounds interesting, a bridal shop and styling service that started (laughs) online only. I did not know that. I didn't either. And that is called Beholden, B-H-L-D-N, all capital letters. And when I first saw it, I was like, how do I say this? I didn't see that coming. Yeah. So they have freestanding units and are inside anthropology stores. They also, this is so interesting to me. 
They bought a nursery in their local area and decided to expand it kind Wait, of what, beyond. What kind of nursery? A nur- like, children's nursery? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Plants. Plant and nursery. Okay. Plant nursery. Sorry. Well, we're talking about they do all life stages. They do weddings. They do babies. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Weddings, babies, everything. No, this is baby trees, maybe, and yeah. flowers. So they decided to expand this place beyond a garden center and created an event space, a restaurant, and a retail store. And then after that restaurant's success, they opened a cafe in their headquarters, which is in the Navy Yard in Philadelphia. And I'll get to that in a second too. And cafe slash restaurant serves as a food hub for employees, chefs, and the public. In 2015, URBN, Urban, acquired a family group of Italian restaurants so that they would have more of a footprint in the Philly food scene, which is a thing. Philadelphia has like a strong food scene. They also founded Newly, N-U-U-L-Y, a monthly subscription service offering a lot of the items found in Urban Outfitters. And then they launched Newly Thrift, which is a peer-to-peer marketplace. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I know that... when I was clicking around their website, they've also got the UO market. I guess they love dropping vowels. It's yeah. M-I-R-K-E, they... where it's like an online marketplace where you can like launch your brand. The only thing is I couldn't find yeah. any products that actually sold under that because I think they mark them, but I couldn't find anything to buy that way. So I don't know if it's like a... You talked about kind of the human side of what the store looks like and their POPs, point of purchase displays. Yeah, and, it's all you know, little homemade. Coming from kind of the retail location space and the analytics of that, if you think of a box type retailer, you've got that singular or prototype it's a cookie cutter all yeah. across yeah. your yeah. You your stamp it out your <laughs> fleet yeah yeah but in the urban outfitter space they take over old existing buildings and really try to preserve the mm-hmm. history of that building and what it looks like so they'll strip it down to the brick and they have a mindset of preserving what the history of that building really looks like and making that a part of the store, which does feed into that kind of lifestyle aesthetic that you were talking about. When I read that, I was like, I bet every historic preservationist is just like flipping us off right now because (laughs) it kind of goes against (laughs) that. But they actually won an award from the National Trust for Historic Preservation in 2007 for redoing the Navy Yard into mm-hmm. their headquarter offices. Maybe Urban Outfitters isn't like the national historian, but it takes a lot of work and time to not just zero it out. I applaud that. I'll end this with a few of the businessy side of things. They went public in 1993 at $18 a share. Mm-hmm. And today they're, I checked it today, right before the podcast. Mm-hmm. Today they're around $36 a share, which is 
up 41% from a year ago. So I'm imagining they were just like hit by COVID and are climbing back up. I don't know what's going on there, but you know, that's that. They're public. Their first D to C site was in 1998. So last episode, we were talking about Powell's books. So you can imagine, and it wasn't Urban Outfitters, it was anthropology. That actually this, makes sense just because uh, yes. it's a higher price point, is what is the higher first price thing I think point. of. That it's just like, easier to get a margin out of something annoying like shipping. Different demographic if you're now professional and your schedule isn't as flexible. So right. you may be more likely to shop online. Sales and site visits to that website, you know, their e com. It was. And we talked about this too in just the last episode, higher than expected and allowed them to invest in broader e-com initiatives. So that was in 1998. 1998 was also the year that the retail stores expanded to Europe. First in London as Urban Outfitters, then 11 years later with anthropology. (laughs) Today, they're in a few select countries in Western Europe and even in the Middle East. And so this isn't just Urban Outfitters. It's the whole umbrella of Urban. Mm -hmm. They operate 700 stores worldwide with 24,000 employees. And in 2019, they reported $4 billion in revenue. $4 billion. Now that's across B. No, I get it. Across all their businesses. All their businesses. I know. Now... I looked at, you know, their leadership team and their board of directors, and I'm going to end the business part with Dick Hayne, that original founder, Mm -hmm. is still the CEO. He's in his 70s. And I thought it very interesting. There are three Hayne last names in their senior leadership team. Mm -hmm. I don't know if your mind is going to be as blown as my mind. <laughs> but in, in 2020, no HR department. No yeah, HR department. 4,000 people without a yes. HR department. What does that mean? So I don't know. And I want to go down that rabbit hole, but I did not have time. So I'm just reporting it for the time being. Maybe I'll give an update in an later episode. They also don't disclose manufacturing locations or practices. And there seems to be no evidence of paying a living wage to their employees. (laughs) So (laughs) I hate to be like, but maybe I'll go down some rabbit holes. You know, I really just wanted to research the brand for this episode. And that is where I found. That's what you found. That's what I found. So are we ready to talk about the orders we placed? Well, we can talk about the orders we placed. And then I've got a little technology list that I was able to scrape, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So how was your shopping experience? What what were your thoughts about it? We're going to try to rate these things. I know we had a poor rating experience before. How do you think Urban Outfitters did? Yeah, I thought it was easy. It was clean. The hardest thing for me was trying to decide what to buy. Yeah. So we ordered, I don't even know what day of the week it was, but it was early December. And 
I ordered two things, James. One was because I've been eyeing this brand, this item, this thing, and lo and behold, Urban Outfitters carried it. And I'm going to show you how much I learned from you by saying I did order it and it was drop shipped. Oh, you can say that with confidence. Good. I can say that with confidence. (laughs) The second item I ordered, I ordered for three reasons. One, because I needed the second item anyway. Two, I wanted to have a case of an item that was not drop shipped. Mm -hmm. And three, I ordered it in case there was a reason I couldn't talk about the first one because (laughs) I think you're associated with them Uh on some level. Uh Uh-oh. So I want to... Okay, can I ask that much first? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it showed up beautifully. So my experience was phenomenal. The shipping was free in both cases since one was dropped shipped and the other was shipped by Urban Outfitters itself. They exited their facility at different times. They arrived to me at different times, but both had free shipping if I was willing to do like the seven to 10 day business Mm -hmm. days or the five to eight days or whatever. I also was able to pay through PayPal Mm-hmm. And PayPal was able to split payments across cards if I needed that. Mm-hmm. So my experience was fabulous. I loved it. And the search was easy. My buying experience was easy. It was very simple. I'll talk later about the arrival times when we get to that part of the program. But yeah, I give it... If we're saying one quote unquote box is horrible and five boxes is pure delight. I give it a four and a half. Four and a half? Yeah. My yeah, experience was fine. Generous. It was fine. It is. You sent me some pictures of your your packages and it so it came from two different packages, two different warehouses, right? The one mm-hmm. from came directly from the brand and then the other came looks like from Urban Outfitters Direct, they're calling it in Kansas City. Yeah. Can I uh, ask you a question? That is annoying to me that they came in two separate packages, personally. Is I, it? If I place one order, I would like it to come from one package. I know why it's not that way, because it's expensive and blah, blah. It doesn't, but you well, give it four and a half. That doesn't seem to bother you at all. It didn't bother me. And I will say that during the shopping experience, the one that was drop shipped, it said on the page this will be fulfilled or shipped or whatever directly Mm -hmm. from that Mm -hmm. brand. Yeah. So I knew it ahead of time and maybe I knew it ahead of time because you had educated me on what dropship is. So I was (laughs) like, oh, this is dropship. Yeah, Yeah. I knew what I was looking at. The average person, maybe they don't. Right. I guess this is why it's interesting because I find it a little bit annoying, but I'm like, well, you got to keep the cost down and keep the catalog large and cost down. And you're saying you don't care at all. So maybe it's not, it's just the wrong thing to optimize for is trying to get these in the same box. I didn't care at all. Not one bit. And so that's also both of yours are unbranded. They're very generic packages. Totally generic. So I got a different item. I got I got a small hat just because I wear small hats. Mine came in a branded Urban Mailer, and mine came. Oh, that 
from the Kansas City, same location on State Avenue. That branded packaging looks great. How yeah. was your shopping experience, though? Uh, it was fun. I mean, you're not doing $4 billion in sales because you can't operate a website, right? Like, they know their business. And they've been doing it a long time. Yeah, so it was easy. Like, I am out of the demographic, and so I had to choose. And so so and- your shopping experience was okay, but maybe not as great as mine? Unmemorable, I think, is really what it was more than anything. Okay. I think it was probably an expensive way to buy the thing that I wanted because I just got like a you know $10 hat with $6 shipping on it, which is kind of dumb. It would have been really perfect to like add it to an order that I was already placing or walking on the street and grab it or something. So anyway, the packaging, yours are unbranded, mine's branded. We did have an experience recently in our household with a branded package, which is that it arrived totally empty, having no. already been opened before it got to us. No. You know, it had been packed with a tape that seal had been broken. So somewhere between that pack out and our house, the contents were gone. It was a makeup brand. It's like real big on the front. And anybody who knows that brand is going to know there's some like expensive makeup inside it. So we've got that. Your checkout experience was okay. And tell me what you see on the back end. Too. Yeah. So I can run through the list. We'll do this quickly. Here's what I found. This is just the highlighted tech list. So they're using Rakuten, which is... I don't know if I'm spelling that, if I'm saying that right. Rakuten? Rakuten? Oh, yeah. So I was I know saying, you're saying it so incorrectly. You didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, oh, that's a new one. It is a new one. But I also don't know how to pronounce it. But I know like Rakuten. But it, Rakuten. And it's a shopping community. Right. Yes, it is. And yes. So it's and way, it rewards you. Yes. Mm-hmm. These like cash back programs to stores. So they have 20 million members in the US who have earned $3.2 billion in cash back at their favorite stores. So it's yes. a way to like kind of leverage the buying power of these discount seekers, I guess. It is. It's one of those things that when I first heard about it, I thought, there's no way this is real. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is shop and mm-hmm. kind of click on the Rakuten or yeah. however you say it. Yeah. And it tracks how many dollars you're spending across all the retailers that use that yeah. system. And then the shopper gets cash back in rewards in the form of a check. The shopper is doing nothing different but getting a check in the mail. Right. At the end. Right. And I was like, okay, you know, nothing's well, been doing for it free. Since 99. Well, so it's, it's right. Yeah. To the, what is the saying? If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And so in yes. this case, the shoppers very much are the product because Rocket totally. is driving traffic to companies like Urban Outfitters, which has value. And it's like going into their affiliate fees or, you know, their marketing budget. But clearly, it's somewhat stable. If they've been doing it since 99, it's, oh, it would have burned through its original, like, whatever cash infusion. And it's, found some permanent value. So that's... Mm-hmm. And that's guess who told me about it several years ago? Who? My mother-in-law. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, lo- she loves it. <laughs> and you're like, Mom, this is too good to be like, true. There's no way. <laughs> there 
there's no way. And I kept asking her, what's the catch? What's the catch? And she's like, no, there is no catch. You just get a check. You should sign up. And I was like, okay. I did sign up and did it for a little while, but I totally forgot about it. Yeah. My my feeling is that you are being manipulated and your loyalty is being purchased with these buyback things. I never sign up for anything for that reason. I just want to pay the price. If it's ten dollars, ten dollars. If it's twelve, it's twelve. I just want to pay the price because the yes. rest of that stuff it exists because they know that if you have your membership card, you're more likely to shop there. Your history is going to increase, and that's great for the business. But I don't know that I benefit from it. I want to stay independent. Well, I will say this: they are paying you for your data, yeah, and you are electing to share that with them, yeah. which I cannot say about most places. You're saying you know, at least you, I know I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, you're doing it and you're getting paid for your data. And yeah. there's so much of your data is scrubbed for free yeah. by other companies that like I'm trying to say something positive. I don't know if it's coming out that way. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is they are paying you for your data and you yeah. need a choice. So I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, you know, put a price on it and if that price is high enough for you or it's not, you make a decision. Um, yeah. So they are supporting those Rocket 10 shoppers. They're using Clarity by Microsoft, which is a business analytics tool, business intelligence. It says free tool by Microsoft. I didn't look too much further than that, but that was Clarity. They're using Qualtrics, who it's experience management software. They claim to have analyzed 2 billion conversations and that they drive experience management for 85% of Fortune 100 companies. Wow. Do you think it's coming from the chat? I, yes, that's Feature? definitely, definitely okay. feeding into okay. it. And then also any probably any, any customer service interaction. And I think it even goes more just than that. But um. Their tagline is know what people need when they need it and deliver it every time with their powerful XM software experience management. And so I think that's actually, you know, if you're doing all of that sentiment analysis on those conversations, obviously they're looking at AI and the large language models very closely because that stuff, if you've been doing it for decades already and you have all that access to like 85 out of 100 Fortune 100s, holy cow, Mm. you're sitting on a gold mine. So all that data that's being fed into this system by multiple companies, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of being extracted to use across all of those companies as well. So every single company is benefiting from the experience and the use of that data from all the other companies that yeah. that service engages I would love to build up. So there's a there's a thing we talk about data and privacy and you know how your data is valuable to these companies. There's a, a version of it that I actually want to happen, which is how does this consumer behave across all these brands and recognize that this is how I want to shop. I'm very search oriented. And so make that easy for me, or this is how I want my returns to work. And I could see a future where you can personalize all of those things across brands. And then I sort of have my identity. If there's a way to do it where I control my identity and I bring that collection of my preferences around with me, I feel Mm. like that could be very, very cool. Like, let's say like you know that I love free shipping. And so I go to this store and they may, oh, the free shipping offer is really good because it's kind of tuned a little bit. For mm-hmm. It still seems like we're very early in like that personalized experience where maybe it's like product recommendations, but not into the rest of the stack. I, I would love to see that go deeper. Yes. I'm just going to agree with you. 
Going down the list, they're also using Crux, which is now Salesforce Data Cloud for Marketing. Looks mm-hmm. like they were acquired in 2016. They're using Skim Links, which was this was a funny one to trace. And so Skim Links is opening a new revenue stream for your content and it's affiliate product links. And mm-hmm. they were acquired by Connexity, and Connexity was acquired by Taboola. So I had to chase that one down a couple of layers because it keeps switching hands going and everything gets consolidated. Now we've talked about Taboola before, but we haven't talked about the other two, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just, you know, all in that same space, but just getting vacuumed up by by Taboola. It does seem like Skim Links is going to, has been around for a long time because it was 12 years when Skim Links was acquired by Connexity. And then I think it relatively short succession Connexity was acquired. But so Skim Links had been around for 12 years in the first place. They've got a nice install base and I think they're going to try to keep that brand alive. Mm. Even though it's now it's Skim Links by Taboola. Got it. Anyway, that's the Urban Outfitters list. Let's get to the box. Yeah, the box, the box. The box. Let's get to that box. I shared with you ahead of time the shipping labels because there's a lot of information on both of mine. I don't know if we want to focus on one or both or what we want to do for me. I will tell the listener I have two different items, two different packages, two different ship dates, two different arrival dates, and two different... Um, <laughs> but I can see one of yours was, looks like FedEx Home Delivery, the one that shipped direct from the brand. Yes, and, it was. Mm-hmm. And it originated with the brand. Oh, this is interesting. So the address is Secaucus, New Jersey, but the phone number in the upper left of that label is a oh, yeah, San Francisco phone San number. Francisco. Mm-hmm. Secaucus, New Jersey, just outside of New York City. Anytime a company says they're like shipping from New York City or like those the companies who want to operate locally out of New York City, they are across the river in Secaucus. That's like it's kind of the oh. warehouse time that supports the city. That makes sense. There's you more can, land. You can see New York City in the horizon. Mm-hmm. I will say, and I don't know if you caught this on this label, it was ship FedEx. Yeah. And it arrived in two days from my order. And yeah. it was on a Sunday. Oh, FedEx home delivery on a Sunday. Nice. Yeah. Which was interesting. I, I wonder if that's the time of year. Cause this is December 8th, 9th around then. And so mm-hmm. I, I think they might have expanded schedules for seasonal peak. Yep. So that was my FedEx package and it looks like it stayed FedEx the whole time. Yep. Nice. And Unlike, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm looking at your other label here I have no idea what this is, to be honest. I don't see a single carrier reference. I didn't either. And I was going to ask you about it because there are two different barcodes on this label, which made me think, oh, here we are again with carrier one, carrier two. Yeah. But I don't know who it was. And there's no packing slip in this box. All I know is it was shipped from Kansas City, just like yours. So maybe there's more information on your label. I don't know. I was going to try to Google these tracking numbers. Sometimes when you Google the tracking numbers, you can see the, uh, it just leaks like the pattern. Google will have created a finder for it, but not, not for either of these. Let me open my shipping history here. Oh yeah. How do you, when you, when you track the package, do you learn anything there? Yes. So I land first on a 
you know, the tracking page, but then it says show full history. And when I scroll down, there is a company called laser ship mm, and a tracking go. number there. There we go. And so, yeah. So when I click on the full history, it says the package data was sent to on track O N T R A C. And then it goes through the on-track facility, blah, 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 on-track, 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 and ends up, you know, at my door. Right. So, trying to get official descriptions here. On-track is final mile. So, they provide mm. last mile e-commerce delivery services. And they claim that they're 1.9 days faster than national carriers which is partially possible because they're not a national carrier, right? They're only going, they're doing shorter jumps. So that looks like a regional kind of, because Michigan to New New Jersey in this case, normally that would be like USPS, USPS, but they've got a regional optimization with OnTrack and LaserShip. Speaking of that, like this originated in what, Kansas City? Oh, right. This is your Kansas City. Right. So even closer, right? Michigan, Kansas City. Well, It seems like it's closer, but when I'm looking at the history, so the information was sent to OnTrack and then OnTrack says in the comments here, the package data was sent to OnTrack, but we haven't received the package from the sender. When we do, we'll update this. Mm -hmm. Then your package has been received. Mm -hmm. Guess where it was received? Where? Swedesboro, New Jersey. So it shipped from Kansas City to somewhere in New Jersey, to the on-track facility. Right. And then it departs on track and comes to Michigan. What? Yes. So, you know, I placed my order on the 8th. It gets to Swedesboro, New Jersey to on track on the 10th. And then I receive it on the 12th, (laughs) two days later. So it went from Kansas City to New Jersey to me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So LaserShip is an American parcel company founded in 1986 in Virginia. So they're like a regional UPS, let's call it. It just seems so silly. Like you've got two regional carriers, but neither of them do your run. So you have to get it to New Jersey to do the final mile. This makes no sense to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and, uh, it seems like they're optimizing for something else. That like the end result is very counterintuitive. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious if yours did something similar because you're in California. So like, I'm in California. Mine went Kansas City to mail. It's just UPS Mail Innovations. Like we talked about this a bunch, where oh. UPS out of the facility arrives USPS. I think it's great. Obviously, they've got some regional strategies going on here and like different techniques to apply based on where you are. I just am surprised. I feel like the edge that you were able to trigger from your Kansas City to Michigan seems like a dumb vector to have landed on. I don't know. I don't know how that was the answer. I don't know either. The only thing that I can add to this is it was a pair of kind of boot shoes, Mm -hmm. boots. Mm -hmm. And so the box was bigger. The size of the package was bigger than my other one, which was Mm -hmm. just a a little sling fanny Mm -hmm. pack, sling pack. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if that leads to the reason why, but yeah, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, they've got some 
complicated calculation happening to choose all these different things. Right? Because we triggered three different edges with, with three different yeah. things, which I think is great. I feel like we got an unoptimized edge there. I'd re- if I were in charge of this, I'd be asking some questions from my parcel rating team and understanding why you were able to trigger that that particular yeah. edge. I think it's interesting too. And now I'm kind of excited that we <laughs> <laughs> we uncovered like three completely different package experiences. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to have to send this episode to a friend of mine and say, why, why did this happen? Is this dumb? Am I missing something? Ooh. Is it really dumb or really smart? Right? I'll, I'll Ooh, I can't wait to hear. I'm going to open my package. Uh, let's see. I got a poly bag and then I got another poly bag. Nice giant label. Uh, the hat's not what I was picturing. Only one of mine contained a packing slip. Do you have packing slips? I don't have a packing slip. Okay. My packing slip is for the brand that you had been associated with. So, and there's not much here. I'll mm-hmm. just say there's a little bit, but. Because we probably... haven't mentioned the brand name yet. I feel comfortable saying that I designed that packing slip that you're looking at. It's not great. You did? It's not great. But that's my... <laughs> What I like about it is its simplicity. <laughs> I. It's good. I didn't have a lot you of know, time. <laughs> I like the simplicity of that packing slip. So congratulations, because oh, it appeals to me. Thanks. Okay, let's talk about your uh, what you've got going on over there. It's a little... Well, so I'll tell you what. I, I, the reason I got this hat from this company is because I'm like, with a beanie, it sounds silly, but like the size really, really matters. And I have these hats I used to buy from like the auto supply store, and they were perfect. And I've been chasing mm-hmm. that hat for... There's like a $3 hat as I, on your way out of checkout in Michigan winter. And I've been chasing that hat for... 30 years. And I thought I was like, Oh, urban outfitters understands this aesthetic. They'll have picked the perfect hat. And I don't, it's like worth a few dollars more. looks like they missed. I think it's too, it's going to be too big. Is it too big vertically or too big, like fit around Mm. your skull? Too big vertically. Cause you get that where the the fold happens. I don't want any extra hat. Like it's, they just like Jimmy Fallon and Ben Affleck just made a a joke out of the hat that I wear, which I did not appreciate. There's like, they have this like viral teeny weeny beanie hat. And it's basically making fun of the hat that hipsters wear in a loving way. But I think we're done. My heart, my heart's broken. I can't go on. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. Well, your heart's broken. We can talk about we'll, this we'll later or maybe, that. I don't know. So you're, <laughs> you're destroyed right now. <laughs> you know what? This is the second time in your life that Urban Outfitters has destroyed you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the echo. We talked about that old story and it just brings it all back. And it just yeah, I don't know if I want to leave in a... In a bad mood, we're both kind of in a reflective state, <laughs> looking at the year ahead and how excited we are. We had a preamble amble about what we want to do with unboxing e-commerce, and that was fun and exciting. Yeah. So it's all good. Yeah, it is, for it, that is hat. Good. it is good. <laughs> Next episode, I'm really looking forward to that. We've I, got some I, surprises coming. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Thanks for listening. James's latest company is called Trivial. They are building a data platform for online businesses to quickly see the metrics that make a difference. And Jennifer's business, Roo, that's R-O-U-X, provides the operating structure for growing businesses so they can move from fires to flow. 
If you have an unboxing experience you'd like us to evaluate, you can find us on LinkedIn. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Unboxing E-Commerce wherever you get your podcasts. Bye-bye.